In September of 1952, four young boys in Braxton County, West Virginia, would spark off one of the most hotly debated UFO cases in modern history. What started as an innocent game of football between childhood friends soon gave way to an alleged attack that left the boys ill for weeks. This story immediately captured the nation's attention and even reached the number 11 news story of the year, according to the National Press Services. Often thought to be connected with the fellow West Virginia cryptid, the Mothman, theories abound to what the source of this attack was. The small town was descended upon by the U.S. Air Force, and members of Project Blue Book were even called in to investigate. Spaceman? Cryptid? Or nothing more than headlights, a barn owl, and some jacked-up kids? Stay tuned for the facts of the case and hear our opinion on what this mysterious creature could be. And be sure to listen till the end for our weekly spotlight on a local band. This week, Ope. I'm Alex. I'm Christy. And this is episode 13 of the Supernatural Tendencies podcast, The Flatwoods Monster of West Virginia. The tiny town of Flatwoods, West Virginia, is a quiet village with a total of less than 300 people. Life is simple there, and people don't usually run around claiming to have come face-to-face with aliens from space. But that's exactly what happened on September 12, 1952, when three young boys were playing a friendly game of touch football. Ed May, 13, and his 12-year-old brother, Freddie, along with their friend Tommy Heyer, age 10, were standing along the edge of the school's football field around 7.15 p.m., shortly before dusk, when they were witnesses to a mysterious sight. The boys claimed to have seen a pulsating red light shoot across the evening sky and then crashing into a nearby farmer's field. The excited youngsters hurriedly ran to the home of the Mays boys and told their mother what they had just seen. Kathleen May was a hard-working hairdresser and single parent who was used to hearing the tall tales that the boys seemed to concoct. But this was no made-up story, and Kathleen decided she had to see for herself what the boys claimed to have witnessed. Grabbing the family dog and enlisting the help of local teenagers Neil Nunley and Ronnie Shaver and West Virginia National Guardsman Eugene Lemon, the party made their way to the farm of Bailey Fisher to investigate the crashed object. Kathleen noted that the air had a metallic smell that burned their eyes and nose. As they neared the top of the hill overlooking the field, the maize dog ran ahead of them, returning almost immediately with its tail between its legs. It was then that they saw a glowing, hissing object with two pulsating red lights, roughly 10 feet in diameter and 100 yards away from them. It was at this point that Lemon took a flashlight from his pocket and shined it at the mysterious craft. Paralyzed with fear, the group could not believe what they were seeing. In the distance, a creature at least ten feet tall 
with a spade-shaped head and a strange dark green or black metal-like dress that hung in folds. Its face was blood-red, and its eyes emitted a mysterious green-orange light. The monster had small, claw-like hands and seemed to levitate off the ground, Kathleen May recounted, and all agreed that there was also a pungent mist present. Suddenly, the creature hissed loudly and swiftly glided toward them. Lemon attempted to shine his flashlight at it, but accidentally dropped it, causing a panic and the group ran away. Miss May reported the incident to local authorities, who investigated the area that evening. The sheriff and his deputy reportedly didn't see, hear, or smell anything out of the ordinary. The whole situation, according to the sheriff, was merely a meteor crashing to the earth and the imagination of teenage boys. Undeterred, Miss May contacted the local newspaper, the Braxton Democrat, and recruited the help of reporter A. Lee Stewart. Returning to the scene of the attack, Stewart reportedly became overwhelmed by a noxious odor as the two approached the area where the creature was spotted, but nothing unusual could be seen. Stewart returned to the site the next morning and noted tire skid marks where the mysterious craft had reportedly sat. These tracks were later thought to be from a local named Max Lockard's truck, as he had also witnessed the crash and went to investigate. Not fully convinced that a large barn owl was the source of what the May group saw, as the sheriff believed, Stewart decided to look into the case a little deeper. And this is where the plot begins to thicken. It turns out that there were more people who had also saw the crash, and a few reported even having a run-in with the terrifying monster themselves. A resident of nearby Birch River stated that he had witnessed a bright orange object circling the sky directly over the town of Flatwoods, on the same night it was reported by Miss Mays, and a woman and her young daughter, roughly 11 miles away, had encountered a tall, scary creature, but were too afraid to report it to the police for fear of not being believed. Mrs. Audra Harper, who lived in the small town of Heaters, about five miles north of the Flatwoods, made a report to police just a few days before the attack in Flatwoods. Mrs. Harper and a friend were on their way to the local store, when they decided to take a shortcut. The two had also witnessed the orange-red glowing object on the ground, but didn't think it was anything to be alarmed about. At least until Harper glanced behind them as they passed the area and saw a tall, shadowy human shape where the light had been. Terrified, the two escaped under the forage of trees and brush near the site. The day after the attack at Flatwoods, in the town of Strange Creek, roughly 20 miles south of Flatwoods, a young couple named George and Edith Snitowski, along with their 18-month-old son, were driving along the desolate rural roads between Clay and Braxton counties at night when their car mysteriously died. According to reports, Mrs. Snitowski made several attempts to restart the car to no avail. It was then that their baby began to cry and a foul, sulfurous odor filled their car. A bright light appeared in the dark in front of them, and out emerged a creature ten feet in height that levitated in front of their vehicle. The monster differed in its description from the May attack, taking the shape that was reptilian in nature, and having bony hands with long fingers, which it drug across the couple's car hood before fleeing the area and disappearing into the nearby woods. 
It was then that the couple were able to finally restart their car and speed away from the scene. Snitowski later recounted his experience to Mail Magazine in 1955. Investigators came from all over the world to search the area and weigh in on possible theories as to what these experiencers witnessed. Well-known investigator John Keel claimed to have also located another couple who had witnessed both the strange light and the unidentified creature. Naturalist Ivan Sanderson reportedly obtained soil samples from the craft site to be tested, although no findings were ever made public. In 2000, Joe Nickel of the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry concluded that what the onlookers saw on the night of September 12, 1952, was nothing more than a meteor. Having been viewable across three states, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, this accounts for the fire-like glow that was reported. And Nickel went on to say that large barn owls were most likely the culprit, not extraterrestrials or scary monsters to explain away the tall creature with glowing eyes and small claw-like hands. But if a meteor and owls, along with a vivid imagination created by anxiety and fear, were to blame, physical evidence experienced by many of the boys that were present at the initial sighting couldn't be explained away so easily. With symptoms that ranged from nausea and vomiting, to burns covering their throats and lungs, and even lasting psychological trauma, one could certainly argue that the owl-meteor theory is both outlandish and insulting. There hasn't been a sighting of the Flatwoods monster since 1952, but that doesn't stop tourists from flocking to the quaint West Virginia town anyway. From statues and coffee mugs shaped in its likeness, locals are proud of the strange creature that put their city on the UFO map. And there are more than a few that are happy to talk about the mysterious monster and give their opinions on the truth behind the story. So what's our take on this out-of-this-world account? And do we believe there's enough evidence to slam-dunk this case into the True Tales file? Stay tuned to find out. Flatwoods is central. Is it central? Mm-hmm. Yep. Center part of the state. Center. Yeah, we're gonna dive right into it today. So we are talking about the Flatwoods monster. I like this case. You do? I do. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I want to start first off, and hold on, let me, let me do something here. I can't. Ah. Okay. Uh, I want to start off because you are from West Virginia, correct? Yippers. You are from where in West Virginia? Fairmont. Which is in Montegalia County. It is roughly, I think, 11 miles from Morgantown. There you go. So, which is where the universe, state university is. Yep. Uh, the Mountaineers. Mountaineers. Go Mountaineers. So if you are familiar at all with the area, that is where my mother is from. Uh, growing up, you grew up there. Correct. So growing up uh, in what time frame? Um... I was born in 71, so we lived there until I was approximately seven or eight, maybe. Yeah, so do you have a lot of memories of the area? Quite a, quite a few, At yeah. that age, did you ever hear stories of this Flatwoods monster? Never. Never? Never. And did you hear stories of the Mothman before you left? No. But that's in Point Pleasant anyway. Yeah. 
Flatwoods would be closer to Montegillia County. Yeah. Yep. Than than Point Pleasant is because that's more on the Ohio border. Yeah. No, I had never heard about any of that any, growing up. It wasn't either. Until you mean either? Heard either. Either. <laughs> I wasn't correcting. I was just. Is that my chair? Is my chair making noises? Swear to God. I, we need new chairs. We've talked about this before. Uh, so you you had not heard stories of neither. Uh-uh. And obviously with this story, the Flatwoods happened in, what was it, 1955? Was that initial sighting by the boys? Uh, 52. 52? Okay. Yeah. It was the 50s. Uh, obviously 20-some years before. Well, 15, 20 years before you were born. Uh, so it was it was around. So maybe it was just your age. Maybe probably yeah. Didn't really talk about a lot of that stuff. You don't want to go telling little kids stories about creepy monsters or yeah. aliens that could come get them. Yeah. You now, know? what I want you to do uh, for me and as well as the listeners as well is, can you kind of describe the mentality of the era and area of West Virginia? During, well, like when I was growing up? Sure. Because it's going to be kind of the same because let's be honest, West Virginia, and I don't mean to, to start telling this because I know, I know vaguely what I kind of want you to hit. Um, West Virginia, the mentality of West Virginia didn't really change. Well, okay. Now my people, we get a lot of slack <laughs> for not being, uh, what's the word I want to use? Here? Progressive. Progressive. <laughs> Yes, or very bright. <laughs> yeah, I was not insinuating you that. You know, but the but the that's idea hurtful is hurtful and mean. But the idea is is that West Virginia, if you've ever been there, they are a certain type of people, and and even the land itself is very is segregating. Yeah, right? well, yeah, and but I've always found the. It seems like no matter where I go in West Virginia, that you can the feeling of the land being. Connected with something paranormal, outerworldly. I'm not sure how to explain it. Huh. Um, but the feeling is so strong, it's almost palpable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the state itself, if you're not aware, is largely housed, lar- largely houses the Appalachian Mountains um, in that area. The Appalachian Mountains, of course, runs from, does it, I don't think it quite hits Kentucky. It might a little bit. It goes up through Pennsylvania and into New York State. I, it may, get close to like New Hampshire, Vermont, but I think then it changes. But re- but re- regardless for our explanation today, the vast majority of West Virginia is mountainous and I think beautiful, just beautiful. It, it really is. And it's I always gorgeous. I always tell the story because I've been there numerous times as a kid and as an adult that um it is a fantastic geographical location. Oh yeah. It's beautiful and to tell the story of what does suck about West Virginia? I always talk about that point in time where they changed their their state motto on their license plates, where before it used to be West Virginia, wild and wonderful. Wild and wonderful. And then for that short period of time, they changed it to, what was it, West Virginia, open for business? Yeah. And they were trying to get people to come in because for the longest time, well, for probably for, no the, job. for the majority of its history, West Virginia was mainly run by coal. Yeah. I mean, in reality... If you lived in West Virginia, there was three things you could do. You could coal mine, you could enter into armed services, or you could move out. Yep. And that was about it. Yeah. So you had a lot of these uh, coal miner, uh, coal mining businesses that would come in and make, you know, coal towns, business towns, where they would come in and make 
Um, and this happened a lot in Pennsylvania. I'm not isolating this just West Virginia. So if you happen to be from the Pennsylvania area, this is going to be very reminiscent as well, uh, where the coal business would come in and they would essentially build a town yeah. for themselves. So in order to uh, get people to come, you know, they would say, hey, you come, you coal mine, we got your house. We also have a company store. Yeah. So in reality, when they paid you, they didn't really pay you a lot in like cash, in U.S. currency. They would pay you in like store credits. So then you would just go to the company store and it'd be kind of like a cyclical thing, which kind of adds into the whole mentality of the isolation yeah. of the area. So I think you could probably say that at best, the least mountainous parts of the state still have a pretty mild set of hills. Yeah. So I think this plays into at least this case a lot, um, not with the common stereotype of West Virginia, and we won't. We don't have to go into that. I don't want to go into that because we're all people. Okay? And I don't know why we have that reputation. <laughs> I, I, you know, but but you know, one thing I do want to say about, um, you know, people from West Virginia mm-hmm. is, I mean, these are very humble people. I mean, they're not people that are given to making up stories about yeah. things like this. You know, it yeah. just. You know, they're they're wonderful people. They're very they're friendly, but with a sense of guarded being yes. guarded. Yes. You know what I mean? And you could feel that when you come to West Virginia when you're not yeah, when with, you're not from there. When you're not from there. Yep, there's a certain amount of mistrust automatically there from is. an outsider. That's what I'm saying. So they're not gonna they're not the kind of people that are gonna go out and make up stories like this. Mm-hmm. Especially during this time frame. Exactly. And especially uh, Especially a, a single mother mm-hmm. with, you know, you know, she was well known in the town. You know, she was a, a hairdresser mm-hmm. and she was known as the kind of person that's, like I said, not going to go, you know, guess what? Ha- guess what my boys found last night, yeah. you know? Yeah. And we're talking about the first the first initial incident. Yes. OK, so this first initial first initial incident would have been with the boys and the boys were just kind of playing football. And yeah, they, and they saw that. Did they see the streak? And then they seen the glowing, the glowingness. Yeah. And at that point, though, they didn't actually see like a being. No. It was just what could be argued could have been a meteor or a crash. Yeah. Or something, right? Yeah. And they went to go check it out, and the Maze Boys' home was actually on the way to where this had crashed. So that they stopped by the house and told their mom and she in turn i'm not sure where the other kids or um eugene lemon Mm. the 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 guardsman the guardsman yeah i'm not sure when exactly they came in you know like i i don't think it ever says if she like called them was that after though because didn't she go first to see it and then she left and then she came back with those people I know. I think they all went up together. But they, okay, so the kids were there. They came back. Mom, Got, mom, look at what we found. Grabbed the dog. Then at this point, you're saying that they all went. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know if like she was on her way there, and then she because there were other people that saw this. Yeah. So yeah. And let's, so I don't let's know move if on. she like met I think we up both with them on the way. And if anybody and, has like, contrary beliefs that these these things I'm not, that, aren't the I, thing, I don't think it was ever just, really just clear just on pure that. Hell. Yeah. So, you know, there then were I, I other you people, to like I said, us. that had seen this and, or, okay, so uh, let's move on. So, uh, did so we go around and interview two. these people. Now I forget you know, hey, what, what did the you third see logical exactly? thing Yeah, because we got off on you know, it. And yeah. all that. So we're, we're kind of jumping ahead of here. So, so the kids, the kids go out, 
playing football and they see that they bring the mom back and at this point in time we're thinking that everybody comes back they come back and then that's when they see a being they see the monster yeah. and what's best about this story for me is you have a combination you have a twofer in one story you have a cryptid you have extraterrestrial correct so we're kind of in the middle especially with this story it kind of rides that line it almost feels like an extraterrestrial because of the crash it's identification yeah, that's because of the eeriness of it but then also there are other reported sightings of this thing um for at least a few years after wasn't it yeah so now we've kind of evolved an extraterrestrial into a cryptid like monster well, and then you had the was a misidentification being, uh, the other sure how the it would be young couple you super stoned or something child but yeah let's that if that was their, then the what first they saw robed green was about thing, 10 feet tall but it was more what kind of persists yeah oh and, okay, with the long fingers today, that as being the it ran across monster. the hood of their car yeah. But then before, wasn't it on the initial sighting, it was something about wearing a green robe? Yeah, yeah. In um, fact, and we'll I believe post a picture the of that, Committee um, for Skeptical Inquiry, uh, Joe Nickel, it. was it, a representative a when they came out and did this. I think it was 2000. Red face. Which, by the way, then Joe Nickel comes it, out in 2000 for like, the Committee for Skeptical Inquiry like and a, starts doing you know, research. Card, from, yeah, happened and then it has like this... Either dark, and then you green, can make or a black. deciding factor. Kind of looks like a dress. I don't yeah, agree kind with of, that. You know, it's the, that long the, ago. We can only go with the evidence that. Folds. The, yeah, the time. Like, okay, now that can be hairy. Kind of yeah, folds. yeah. So um, you, I, I can, I can the, admit the there's some things that you can do. Little short claws. Yeah. But then that transforms in the, into that next sighting you were just talking about. More longer. Yeah, fingers. like reptilian looking. So do you think we're looking at a couple different things happening? I think so. identification. Do you think at all there may be some type of. Mm, warping of imagination. See, I don't feel that when way. When you see it, because well, I I don't I like, don't mean I, to. I know like that, that, that but you that know, was like the when you light see the pictures. The you're like, also, yeah, he said in crazy. the area is a you know, strobing. Like, like it, it wouldn't be so much that when you see the pictures that looks crazy if the all the pictures look the same. True. Uh, so now we have a like then that one aspect and that one noticeable thing would be the difference between the the hands of the initial monster and robes. And then that, I think it was a third sighting. It wasn't a second because there was a second with the two women walking. Was that the second one? Yeah. And then the couple. Yeah. By the time it gets to the couple sighting, the hands have changed. Yeah, well, the whole creature yeah. has changed. Well, it wasn't it's okay. More reptilian been some, looking. There was a crash site. There was something crashed, right? Quote dress. Yeah. On. So now either we're we're left to entertain immediately three different logical lines of thinking. We have multiple monsters we have the initial extraterrestrial robed monster then we kind of have a different one in the same area that's more reptilian which i would put money on seeing a godzilla mothra type battle between the initial extraterrestrial monster and the reptilian why would you want to promote that something like that uh, first off binding factor he said was a mess First, yeah, War. but it's not us. It's not a human. What are Obviously, you going to do? Those two things. Yes. Like, oh Misident- yes. I would sell. Wow. I would sell tickets that get my life dependent on it. Popcorn, yeah. hot dogs. Okay, so we have that first line of thinking. We have we have the multiples, uh, and then we have some type of evolving theory where you have the initial robed weird thing, and he like morphs into this reptilian, or maybe he takes his robe off, but that still doesn't account for his hands. Could or be, it could be seen as a monster two different extra species or types whatever of extraterrestrials that are somehow connected look at um Mm -hmm. the story of you know communion with whitley 
Schreiber. Schreiber. Trying to get your opinion on that because yeah, he describes that is what Joe Nichols said. You know, different at least with types the first sentence. In, I don't. So it maybe was a this is one of those due to a heightened anxiety from the know. first two. Just, you just, know, and that's a funny, funny thing you bring that up too with that with with the Whitley Strieber story, Strieber Striber story. Um, doesn't Strieber Striber doesn't owls play a part in that too? Identify yeah. those two things. Yeah. So there's this thing I think there's and I don't mean to do I don't mean to be this guy, but that it I plays stopped a part you on in it. many you where, were, where you were going. Stories. What was that movie? That oh jeez, it was about the Alaskan town. Out of what oh. Joe Nichols said with Mia Jovovich. I know Jovo- the story, but Mia oh, Jovovich, oh, 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 the fourth see, kind, fourth kind. Yeah, but, see that was a totally people instances. think that that's based on a Incidences. true story. It's a so fictional the, story. It's yeah. not true. Yeah, um, but they are the road to go to the store and the they took like a, like a shortcut. As though it By the is way, don't ever take a true shortcut. story. But they actually play into that owl thing too. That's yeah, what I was getting yeah. at. But Good some people will argue. Oh no, that's based on a true story. I don't remember how they now. Can I bring up real quick? Have you ever seen a baby barn owl? No, but I would and ten feet tall. You would never see a more terrifying sight in your life. Shut up! I swear to you. How are they terrifying? It is just god's awful. Wow. it's scary. If there was, if if I had to battle a shark or look at a bunch of baby wow. barnacles, I would take that shark on right now. Wow! I swear, if we had time, I would tell you. Look up a video of it because those baby barn owls are frightening. Terrible. All right, now Nickel I got to do it. Just right, because you're saying that. Last. All right, we're going to take even... a break. We're going to cut this, and we're going to look at this, and we're going to come back and discuss it. Okay, I get what you're saying now. <laughs> you see it? Wow. <laughs> and you're just looking at pictures. You, no, what's you're not scary always... is when they're standing oh, the... up. Yes. Yes. And I mean, such, like, that's straight up extraterrestrial. I know, right? And you're just looking at pictures. You're not looking at videos of how they move. It's, right, it's how do they night- move? <laughs> yeah none of our audio listeners can hear that oh you're 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 doing it for me uh you and you're just looking at pictures you're not watching those videos that I is terrifying you, my like hands are I'm, sweaty now i, I swear. so are mine i mean most babies wow. we're supposed to have a protective instinct on anything baby like right no. As, in that one i just want to kill it the kill one, the fire. i know the yeah. one where there's are one could up. yes like oh my i could totally see this is right back to robert the doll like i could totally see one it's terrible coming at me and these things are like what this big oh god i don't know i know barn owls get pretty big so i'm not sure how big the babies are i imagine them to be like like hand height like as big as my hand is you know height wise but can you oh no like six of them no oh god i wouldn't sleep for days nope no, if any of the listeners get the gumption, I know a few who I would shout out right now. I need you to stop what you're doing, pause this, look up go baby look it up, house. and come back and tell yep. me how you find that in any way not fear-inducing. It's terrible. And you know, I'm a huge animal. I mean, like, I adore all kinds of any kind of animal. Give it to me. I love animals, right? But those, no. Told you. No. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And it's, yeah, it's terrible. That's straight no, up, they straight with, up look. With, with humanity. I mean, if you. Extraterrestrial. Yeah. I mean. You can't make sense of. It's a completely new, we'll just say technology. Yeah, your mind will search for an answer of what it possibly could be. On top of that, you don't have the vocabulary or the imagery to be able to convey the description of what it actually is to other people. So you use things that are familiar to you. Yes. So whenever we hear a lot of these like UFOs that are cigar shaped, I mean, we're using vernacular that we know. What's a shape look like? Well, it looks like a, sh- it looks like a cigar. Or a so, tic-tac. Or a tic-tac. That's the newest one now, like a tic-tac. Yeah. Um, 
flying saucer, even that. That vernacular that still kind of holds a little bit. We've kind of strayed away from flying saucer, the flying saucer vernacular. Yeah. But that initial story, that's the description. Is like, well, it looked like a metal flying saucer. Like that's what it looked like, like a tea, like a tea saucer. Yeah. Uh, so humanity across time, and this doesn't necessarily have to be in describing a cryptid or a UFO or anything like that. Whenever you're describing something that you're not familiar with, you're going to put it into terms that you understand. You're going to put it into terms that people around you understand. Yeah. Because what other way are you going to describe something with words or images that you don't know? Because that's the point of, of, of moving on. So is that what's happening here? Is that a technology that they didn't understand with garments maybe this thing was wearing that they didn't understand? And that's the closest thing to do it was the pop culture of the time. So is that is that what's happening? Is that why we see this continual differing and changing of shapes and patterns and, and descriptions? Is because that's what, that's what you're used to seeing. Those are the words you're used to using. Those are what is going to click to somebody else when describing them. It's not necessarily what they actually are or what they actually look like. That's the closest way you could describe it. I mean, 1950, when did we come out with tinfoil? I don't know. Like the active home use of tinfoil. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because that, like with the Roswell crash, uh, when they had that material, that's how they described it was it looked and kind of felt like tinfoil. Yeah. And, but when they would, they would crumble it up and it would stay, but then you could also like flick it and it would come back straight and be just like it, like it was never touched. Yeah. So by now we obviously don't have quite that technology, but let's just say in 30 years we find out, oh, we could do that. We could totally do that. So then from that, that point on, when we have that, let's just call it metal X, right? Now you can describe anything from that point on as, oh, it was kind of like Metal X. Yeah. Right? So now, after we invent that, we can look back at the Roswell incident and say, at the time they called it tinfoil. And probably by then they'll be like, what's tinfoil? Yeah. And then by that time you can go, oh, tinfoil is kind of like Metal X. Only you crumpled up and it stayed and you couldn't, it just looked gross all the time after that. You know? So is that, is that what's happening? Do you think? <sighs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, like, I totally feel like this case is legit. Um, you know, like them getting sick and having the the burns and, uh, co- yeah. you know, their throat no. and all that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not questioning whether it really happened or not. I'm asking if it did happen, do you think that's what's happening? I, it could. Do you think that they're using... At, well, the- at least in the, in the, in the uh, experience of Mrs. May and her boys, yeah. maybe. But what are the chances of... See, I hate that when Stuart went around and he interviewed these other people, did they claim, what did they claim that they saw? Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think it was as up what, close as what Miss Mays had seen. Yeah. So we saw lights or we saw this, a little more arbitrary. Did they see any creatures? Yeah. I don't, I don't remember seeing that they did. I didn't that either. Reported I that couldn't they did. find. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of moves me to this next point. Okay. Um, and this is really, this is really getting in deep with some of these, uh, these extraterrestrial theories, modern UFO theories. Uh, and we're doing it with the Flatwoods monster, <laughs> um, but I'm going to do it. So kind of taking bits and pieces of my last kind of thought, right. Yeah. Of using the things of your time that you're used to in order to describe, uh, things that you yeah. see, they don't understand. There's a new kind of thought process that the extraterrestrial phenomenon is both, yes, physical, but also a psychic, a psychical thing. Psychical? 
psychical. Is that a word? Psychic thing. Yeah. Uh, in that UFOs live, are in a type of dimension that they can appear to you. And not appear to someone else. Over the top more than that, appear to you in a different way that they do to someone else. Sure. So in theory, with like with this first first incident, this extraterrestrial appear extraterrestrial <laughs> appeared, sorry, appeared to these people in, in a fashion that they could understand. That could be. Which would have been the pop culture image of what extraterrestrials were. Yeah. So now the change is not what I said before, how we can we can get new words and new things to describe. It's literally that they are changing in our mind yeah. of what we think they are. Yeah. So it's more of a fluid concept. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like for each individual, um, whatever whatever um, they hold in their mind that an an alien would look like. That's how the alien is going to come through to them. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and that could be completely different from you. It's individual. To me. Yeah. On an individual. So you have you have you heard about this before? Oh sure. Yeah. Okay. So how do you feel about that? Um, I I think it's absolutely uh, legit. Do you lean more towards them being a physical, unchanging entity? Sometimes. Or uh, oh, you kind of. I think sway? they have the ability to go oh. either, either, or whichever one they need to, to accomplish whatever. Um, purpose they have at that time yeah i understand so we really got into it on this one and i don't we don't have to spend hours and hours talking about it because i think that this stuff um because i listen to a lot of podcasts and i listen to a lot of different theories and thoughts and i found it very interesting to try to stay up with theories even if like even if i don't agree with them that's oh, no, totally fine yeah like i like to hear them i like to i like to put that into my mind you I know i want to hear different possible explanations as to what it could be yeah i think it's best to take these in bite sized increments yeah if we just keep rambling on and giving you more support for this theory that may be completely foreign to you, at some point you're going to zone out. You're going to clock out. Just yeah. Like in, just like in school. I mean, if we keep doing it and giving it to you, your level of understanding is going to hit a cap and you're going to be done with it. So that's I know that's how I am, too. So we've covered a few different ideas today. I think with especially, you know, there are some cases that either, you know, there's pretty much no middle ground. You are either uh, absolutely believing that this this is a, a a legit case, or you're like, nope, there ain't no way. Yeah, it seems to be one of those cases that there's really no middle ground or on the fence. Do you think that this is one of those? I think so. Yeah. Which is funny because I'm in the middle of this. Oh, of course you are. <laughs> you know, there's always got to be that one person. I mean, I find it. I just find it hard to believe that there would be two separate monsters, two separate entities. Let alone like it just. just Dives straight, dives that probability for me straight into the hole that those two monsters would come to from the same ship. If that, if it, if that's what crashed, yeah. If that's what we're saying, but why crashed. would you find that hard to believe when you know the story um, that we were talking about earlier with Whit- Whitley Strieber um, and his experience? He had the tall ones, the tall willowy white ones or gray ones, whatever, and then the little blue chunky ones. Because this feels it feels different to me. It feels like they were in cahoots, like they were like like a cast system in that story. This one, it's so 
disconnected. Just the only thing that really connects anything with those sightings in this story is the location. Yeah. Like that just feels like it's it. Like for me to have two separate things in the area. Now we're talking about like territorial disputes between E.T. and and cryptids, which I'm totally not opposed to. Wow. Back on that again. But that's what it feels like. And and if anybody, I'm going to say this really, really softly so she can hear me. Um, If anybody wants tickets to that fight, just let me know. I can hear Um, you. Oh, yeah, we do have reference headphones. Uh, but, but that that is the farthest reaching for me. It's having two of the same. Like, that's what gets me. I honestly, I honestly think that it's either one or the other. I'm not for it. I'm not against it. I'm, I'm truly on the fence. So, and, and I find it curious, too, that you had these uh, sightings or experiences all within like a, a couple, like a, what, a three-day span and then not before, not after. Oh, I thought it was longer than that. I don't think so. Okay, but I'm misinformed. Yeah, and that I just, thought it but was. But that just kind of proves my point, though. <laughs> like, you know, and then, but see, like, like I said, knowing the people of that, you know, you know, they're not, they're not people that are given to go to making this stuff up. And I get that. And we, and like I said, as many times as I've been to West Virginia and that kind of automatic mistrust they have of outsiders, the, especially the era you were working, you worked, you worked, Yeah. you worked, who had time to goof off or whatever. But I think that in theory, one could argue that since there was like a no nonsense kind of mentality, yeah, that it was right for story making. I can't even talk to you right now. <laughs> I can't. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that you get bored enough and you get strung up on a nine to five enough. She's any a, kind of thing is going to be fun. She is a woman who works a full-time, probably plus job yeah. with three young boys. She doesn't have time to sit around and go, what kind of stories can I make up to kind of, you know, she doesn't need any excitement. She's already got excitement. <laughs> no, she's got a, she's got a nine to five grind with three kids that drive her up the wall. That's any kind of excitement I'm, beyond that would be great. That's what I'm saying. She don't, she's too tired for all that. I'm telling you. I don't know. I th- just, I just think that the argument could go either way. Um, but I, I do like the story. Uh, I think there are too many facets for me to say that every part of it is connected without any kind of, I don't want to say nefarious because that's not where I want to go, but I, I would go as neutral as I can to say uh, like a misidentification or like um, that heightened, like I said, that heightened sense of anxiety would cause <gasps> and then a reaction. Well, you scared me on that. Really? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Wasn't yeah, turn, expecting that. Turn the headphones down. <laughs> Why does everybody want to scare the woman with the heart problem? I don't, I don't understand that. <laughs> Daryl did that to me the other day. Jumped oh. up in front of the window, scared the crap out of me. <laughs> he wants to cash in. Probably. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else for this one? Uh, no. No. It's a good story. Yeah. And it, if you happen to go through uh, that area of West Virginia, I believe they have some things commemorating it. Oh, they yeah. Have, they have statues think, and coffee mugs. I think and, they like, have those everything. chairs. Don't they have those chairs? It's, it looks like a like a lawn chair almost. Oh, yeah. We'll have to post some pictures of that. Yeah. Like, like, I think they have like three or four maybe. 
that kind of like they're huge like lawn chairs it looks like and they're painted up green like the robes of the flatwoods description yeah and they got the head on the back yeah so i'll have to post some pictures of that i do believe that there's a museum of the flatwoods monster that you can go check out if you're there i would love to go there they do sell t-shirts so if we ever make a trip back down which by the way if you are ever in fairmont west virginia please check out if they're still there (sighs) call us Hesnos. best pepperoni rolls Ever. If you are not from the area, because I have yet to find another section of the United States that loves pepperoni rolls, I know. other than West Virginians, you need to get these pepperoni rolls. They're Essentially, amazing. they are like a roll that you would get it with dinner, and they put pepperoni sticks in the middle of it. And I know that well, sounds they can weird. Put sauce and you can put sauce, yep. and it's so good. You can buy them by the dozen. Yeah, uh, you can bring them back home. That's what I do. They ship them to you too, unbaked. What they yeah, do? Yeah, I know. I didn't know that. Yeah, <sighs> they're so good. Okay, so if you're in the if you're in the area, Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kentucky, what's North Carolina, Virginia, if you get a chance to make it over to Fairmont, West Virginia, take a trip over to Flatwoods as well, get yourself a Flatwoods Monster t-shirt and some pepperoni rolls because it will not, the bomb. It will not be a bad time. Yes. All right. That's it for this week. We'd like to say thank you one more time for hopping on board with us this week. If you have any comments, questions, critiques, or suggestions for new topics, please send us an email at supernaturaltendenciespodcast at gmail.com. We also encourage you to get over to our Facebook page at Supernatural Tendencies Podcast and go ahead and elbow drop that like button for us. We're also available on Instagram at Supernatural Tendencies Podcast and Twitter at Weird and Scary, if that's more to your liking. Please pass us around to your friends as well where they can find us on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most other podcast platforms. And remember... If you're having any type of paranormal activity or extraterrestrial contact, I offer private coaching online via Skype or Facebook Messenger to assist you with those issues. Feel free to visit me at christyjohnsonsadler.com for contact information. Till next time, this has been Alex and Christy. See you later. Alright, for this week's Musicians Spotlight, we have Ope, and if you've been around me for the past few months, there is no way that you have not heard about this band, because I go on tangents about how awesome Ope is. I've heard them. Yep. Um, they are on the same, uh, this is like two weeks in a row now, last week we had Reflex Machine, uh, but uh, Ope is also on the same collective, Over the Counter Culture Collective, uh, all recording at Over the Counter Culture Records together there in Columbus, Ohio, which is where I first heard them. Uh, we have played uh, just one show with them so far, that was back in August, but I'll tell you what, even before we played that show, oh my gosh, Ope is just the shit. I love Ope. Um, they're kind of definitely doomed doom metal so if you're not familiar with doom uh kind of drony um very catchy riffs um meant to just kind of get high to i mean that's it's just what it is i mean i i dig just about everything from that genre because it kind of harkens back to a lot of the 70s like sabbath like sabbath 
Deep Purple. Yeah, you had said it kind of reminds you of Deep Purple stuff. Um, so it's definitely definitely heavy stuff, loud stuff. So if you ever come in, uh, I mean, come to one of their shows at all, you it will be loud. And that's the best part about Doom. Yeah. It's loud. It's heavy. It's going to pummel your face for like a solid 12 minutes of a song. Pummel your face? Yeah. Like it just, 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 just beat you down to the ground. It's great. Oh so, so if you ever get the chance uh, to check out Ope Live, please check out Ope Live. Uh, both guys are great guys. They even uh, let me use some of their equipment, and um, I usually am very apprehensive about that, but they were totally cool uh, with letting me use their stuff, and it made me freaking loud and made me pummel people down with my bass, so it was sweet. You're too angry. Um, I'm excited. It's not angry. It's excited. It looks like anger. Well, sometimes those are synonyms. Um, so get on over to their band camp. They do have some stuff up there you can buy. Um, they do have uh, quite a few shows coming up. They will be touring with Reflex Machine um, a little bit. I'm looking at their show list right now. Uh, you can catch them October 31st. Hopefully this will come out. Oh, yeah. This will be playing time. October 31st, uh, we'll be playing at the Dirty Dungarees down in Columbus. Um, November 1st, they will be at uh, River West Public House uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. They will then be moving on November 2nd to Kalamazoo, Michigan, Mute City. So if you check them out in Kalamazoo, uh, please do that. Um, they do have a show out. Uh, their last show they have posted on their Facebook is going to be November 17th, and that's going to be at the uh, Cafe Bourbon Street down there in Columbus. Great place to go see anybody cafe bourbon street so if you ever get a chance to go to columbus to see ope at the cafe bourbon street you do it because do they it. make pierogies there that will make your pants fly off oh my gosh yeah they, i think they were on diners drive-ins and dives were they really for those I pierogies that show. pierogi mountain yeah so if you don't have plans that day november 17th please go out and see those bands check it out and Ope has given us permission today to uh, use a song called Ope to Joy off their demo, Loud. It's named so for good reason. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> 